Good morning. It is great to see you today. I'll tell you what, the rest of the world is focused on you. Do you know that? The rest of the world looks at the Upper Peninsula and says, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They're, they, literally, I think they, they know that we have more of God than they do because we can, we can do it, right? We, with God's help, we can live in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, my dad says, I'm, I'm so sick of shoveling. <laughs> I got to tell you, there is such an unholy rest in, in people in Marquette right now that are ready for spring. The only thing worse than, than waiting for summer is waiting for winter to get over. Are you with me? And you can start up, try this, do this. When you get gas this week, or when you're checking out groceries at the grocery store, if you still do that at all, um, I just say, just say to somebody, just say, I'm, I'm just ready for winter to be over. And just let the conversation unfold. You will, by the end of that conversation, you're going to be friending each other on Facebook, okay? You're going to be exchanging phone numbers so you can text, you know, when the weather gets warmer. See, I told you it was coming. I mean, if you just, you, if you want to be a people person, you stick with me, okay? I'm going to give you the tips that you need, all right? But right now, people are done waiting for winter to get over. And that, <laughs> and that fits. That fits with where we are, okay? Because yesterday and today is God's way of saying, no, <laughs> no, no, it ain't over. It ain't over till I say it's over. And sometimes he doesn't say it's over till Memorial Day, okay? Do you remember a few years ago when there was ice pack in the lower harbor on Memorial Day weekend? Do you remember that? That's God's way of laughing, okay? Showing his control, but we, we don't like to wait. Some of you have been saying, I've been waiting for three weeks for this series to get over. I don't like it. I wish I could say it's going to get better today. But when we are waiting to hear from God, when we're waiting on an answer from him, we can wonder, God, do you really hear me at all? Is he, is he listening? Is he even capable of hearing me? In fact, that would take us to another step and say, does God even care about what I'm facing in my life? Because if he cared, he would answer. He would say something. He would say yes. So does he, does he even care about, about what I'm going through? I want you to remember this, and I need you to, this has got to be a, a, a linchpin. This has got to be some of our foundation here. But the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, say all things. All things. Say it again, all things. all things. I want you to remember that. All things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But that doesn't mean the answer will be yes. Let it sink in. That awkward silence that you feel, that's the Holy Spirit saying, listen, does not mean, Romans 8.28 does not mean the answer is yes. It just means in all things, God is at 
work for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Let it, let it just sink into your spirit right now. Do you realize you might be, for those of you waiting on God, you might actually be waiting for a no. Oh, let's just get that over with. God, just tell me now. Just tell me now so I can move on. I don't, I mean, we don't like waiting. The only thing worse than waiting is for a no. We're waiting for spring, and God says, nope, not done yet. We can't stand that. People are aggravated and agitated right now just because of that. We don't like to wait for a no. So how do we respond to a no? Oh, it's getting personal. It's getting really personal. You can see it in our kids. Tell your kids no. If you don't have kids, find a nephew or a niece or a neighbor kid and just try this out. Say, just say no. When they ask you, no. And just, just leave it. Just say no. We, we try. We try to do everything. We try to, we try to prove why, why the answer should be yes. I mean, we're, we'll give statistical information about why the answer should actually be yes. We're going to try to argue. I mean, some of us should have been lawyers because we're so good at arguing. Our kids have a master's degree in legalese, okay? Because they know how to argue when we tell them no. Have you ever seen the person, maybe you've done this yourself, but they try to bargain. Listen, listen, if you'll let me stay out till this time, then tomorrow I will do this, 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 and this, okay? In case you didn't know that, that's manipulation, okay? They're trying to bargain. They're trying to talk you out of your no and talk it into a yes. So here's a question. Because we, we have to understand that the same God who opens doors that no man can close can shut a door, and he ain't opening a window. Because when God says no, he actually means no. Unlike some of us in our parenting, no means keep asking me, you might break me down, and eventually I'll change my answer. When God says no, he means no. So why would God say no to my prayer? You guys are quiet. Why would God say no to my prayer? First one is this. First thing is this. He wants to teach us dependence. Have you ever heard somebody say, I won't take no for an answer? Now, normally that's because they've extended an invitation and you're like considering not accepting it. I won't take no for an answer. You need to come over for dinner. And, and so it's, it's kind of in a good concept, but it's, they're insisting on something. They're not going to allow you to refuse um, what they're asking. It's non-negotiable. It's not open for discussion. And sometimes our prayers take on this form. God, I'm not going to take no for an answer. This is what I need, and you're going to give it to me. You're going to make it happen. That's the way we approach God. Our mind is made up, and that's all there is 
And there's no other way that it can happen other than that. We're not opening to anything but God's yes. I want to point out someone that we read about in the New Testament. His name is Paul. He was the most influential leader other than Jesus in the New Testament. At the end of his life, he wrote, he said, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. This is the guy that they commissioned to do missionary journeys, to take the gospel of Christ, which had never been heard apart from Jerusalem and Judea where Jesus preached it, and, but, but to hear about Jesus dying on the cross for them, that had never been heard outside of the disciples. They commissioned Paul to take it around the Roman world. This guy was the one that did that. He spread the gospel to the furthest reaches of the known world. He planted churches. He appointed leaders in those churches. The power of God rested on him so much. We don't think about this, but Paul actually was, uh, he was somebody that not only preached the gospel, but he also had a job. He repaired fishing nets. And it was customary for them to wear an apron. And at some point, they took Paul's apron and they cut it into pieces. And they took that apron around. And when Paul was not there, they would take that chunk of his apron and they would lay it on a sick person and they would be healed. I don't know about you, but nobody's cutting up my clothes to lay on the sick. The power of God rested on that man. The seven sons of Sceva were guys that that were involved in the priesthood and they went around casting out demons. And they would would lay hands on these demons and they they would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached, come out. And many times the demons came out, but one time the demon responded and said, Jesus we know. And we've heard of Paul, but who in the world are you? the demons know his name. When the demons have heard of you, I'm just saying. But let's look at his life. Let's look at this powerful man in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in the second half of verse 7. He said, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. Paul, Paul knew Paul knew what was happening. He knew that they were, they were laying pieces of cloth on people that came from his apron and they were being healed. He understood these things. So in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Scholars actually say that this thorn in the flesh, they refer to it as a gift from God. How many of you want that kind of gift from God? Hmm? Are you signing up for that? Is that what you're looking for? When you ask God for something, God, you know what? Forget all these answers to prayer. Just give me a thorn. Just give me a thorn in my side. That's going to make things better. 
Paul was being beat up by demonic forces. Scholars agree that that this was probably more than likely a physical ailment, but it could have been an emotional ailment or an emotional type of shame as well. But he pleads with God for three times. What is Paul doing in his pleading? He's waiting on God. He's waiting on God. Paul was waiting, but God wanted to teach Paul to depend on God. The answer that God gives Paul in his waiting is my grace is sufficient for you. That is not a yes. It's not even a wait. It's a no. Paul gets a hard no from God. And we never read in Paul's life, in his writings, we have no evidence that that thorn in the flesh was ever removed by God. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My undeserved favor is enough to get you through your thorn in the flesh, though it lasts for the rest of your life. My grace is enough. God says no to teach us to depend on on him. You see, that's God's desire. God's desire is that we depend on him. The second reason why God says no to some of our prayers is that they're simply not his will. We're not going to get it right every time. So I don't care how sincerely we may be asking God, sometimes we just don't get it right. And we're asking for something that is outside his will. Now, let me illustrate, uh, and, and, and I think I can, can lend some credibility to somebody's life here, but Jesus performed many miracles. In fact, the scripture uh, we records, scholars believe, 37 different recorded miracles, um, individual situations throughout the Gospels. That's a lot of miracles, I mean, it, it, and it, it ranges from turning the water into wine, healing lepers, raising the dead, but 37 different miracles. And I want you to, to remember that, that in this process of Jesus' life, that these miracles were not done by his power because he laid aside his deity, the Bible says, in order to live as a human. But he was completely sinless. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin for us. And he was totally obedient to the Father. And he lived with these human limitations. And we read in scripture that while he is standing in front of the tomb of Lazarus, any moment he is going to call Lazarus to come out of the grave. And indeed Lazarus comes out of the grave. And here's Jesus' prayer. He says, Father, John eleven forty two. 42, I knew that you always hear me. Jesus knew that God the Father heard every prayer that he prayed. And then he said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came to life. Yet God said no to Jesus. Oh, I know what you're thinking. I don't think God said no to Jesus ever. God said no to Jesus. Are you surprised by that? 
in Luke chapter 22. In verse 39, it said, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. This is on the evening of his betrayal. And the disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. What do you think he prayed more earnestly? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He didn't change topics, okay? He didn't start praying for his disciples at that moment. He's praying, if it's Lord, if it's God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But I want you to note, he said, if you are willing. Jesus' prayer was not unsubmitted to God the Father, but he asks God to take this cup from him. It reiterates his commitment to God's will, but what is God's answer to that prayer? It's not a yes, it's not a wait, it's a no. Why? Because that prayer, to answer it, God would have to go against his own plan of salvation for the world. So the answer could only be no. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. God heard Jesus' request for the cup to pass from him. It wasn't that God didn't hear it. It's that he said no. Let me ask you a question. Are you sinless? Not me. Are you totally obedient to God? Not me. Our righteousness, Isaiah says, is like filthy rags. I don't even like to really describe what Isaiah means when he says that. It's about as gross as you would want to hear. What is God's answer to our prayers? Does it have to be yes? If God said no to Jesus, why would he not say no to us when what we ask for is outside of his will? The answer is he wouldn't. He absolutely is going to say no the same way he did to Jesus when we're asking for something that's outside his will. Some of you are thinking, then why bother waiting at all? Why bother, bother waiting? I'll tell you why. It's point number three. Because God has a better plan. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. 
God has a plan, and it's a better plan than you have come up with yourself. And you're asking God for something, and sometimes he says no because his plan is better for you than your plan is. Let that sink in. Because we don't operate that way. We operate that in my mind, in my thinking, in my heart, this is the best way. And if that's the best way, that's all there is to it. It's impossible that there could be another way that's better for me that I know not anything about. Theologian J.I. Packer talks about why God says no to us. He said, perhaps... He needs to strengthen us in patience, good humor. Some of us need more humor. Compassion, humility, or meekness. Perhaps he has a a new lessons in self-denial and self-distrust to teach us. Perhaps he wishes to break us of complacency or undetected forms of pride and conceit. Perhaps his purpose is to simply draw us closer to him. Or perhaps God is preparing us for forms of service of which at present we have no inkling. But the bottom line is that God has a better plan than us. And because of that, there will be many no's throughout our life. Prayers that we pray sincerely, desires that we have that we think would be the best for us, and God says no because he has a better plan. But let me ask this. Are there just prayers that God just doesn't listen to? You see, Jesus Jesus said, I know God that you hear me. And yet God said no. But are there plans, are prayers that we just should, we should just avoid because God is not going to hear them? And, and I, I want to say this, that there are prayers that God will not hear from you or, or from me. Let me share a few of those with you. Number one, when we choose sin over repentance. In Isaiah chapter 1 verse 15, Israel has forsaken God. And here's what God says through the prophet Isaiah. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. In Proverbs chapter 28 verse 9, it says, If any turn, anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. Friends, we can't live in sin, open, open rebellion to God, and expect God to hear us. We can't disobey him and expect him to hear us. We can't pray, God, fix my finances, and yet not recognize that God is the source of all that we have and that he calls us to give back to him a portion of what he has blessed us with. We can't do it. He doesn't hear it. We can't pray, God, fix my wife and yet not love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Do you see what I'm saying? We can't ask him for something and yet not follow what he's already told us to do. We can't pray, 
God bless this relationship. And yet knowing that that relationship is not supported in God's word because it's outside the bounds of marriage. We can't, we can't pray that and expect God to hear it. God says he won't hear it because we've chosen sin over repentance. Another prayer that God will not hear is when we ask selfishly. James chapter 4 verse 3, we already read it earlier this month. When you ask You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I've learned something through our men's connect group on Wednesday night, which by the way, I I love our men's group. We have such a great group. I've learned that it's hard for men to ask for anything, especially God. I mean, men will ask maybe one or two other guys, okay? Okay. And generally, they've got to be related to them, all right? It's, it's my brother, it's my brother-in-law, it's my son, it's my son-in-law, it's my dad, maybe it's my father-in-law, maybe it's a, a close friend that I have, maybe it's a guy from work, but it's a small group of people that a man will ask. But man, they don't want to ask God for anything. They don't want to ask God for anything. But when we, we've been taught growing up, asking is selfish. Jabez prayed, enlarge my territory, God, for the kingdom of God. That's different than just praying for a larger piece of the pie for myself. When we pray selfishly, God says he doesn't even hear it. He doesn't answer that prayer. Number three, when we don't pray in God's will, 1 John chapter Five and verse 14, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we, we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. We might be saying, God, give me a new job. I want a different job. And it's God's will that we stay in our current job because we are being a light in the darkness in that place. And that's his will. That's his plan for us. So God doesn't answer our prayer for that new job because he has another plan for us and wants us to stay where we are. Number four, when we don't ask in faith. Faith is a word that that many self-define but today we're using it very specifically. It means our trust in Jehovah, to believe that God raised Jesus to life. It's not faith to believe for something. In Mark 11, 24, Jesus said, therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive it and it will be yours. Because we trust in God's character, he will answer prayers that are prayed in his will. We can't ask God to intervene and continue to worry. It doesn't make sense. God's not going to answer that. If if we're going to pray and yet we feel like we still have to worry, we still have to carry the burden for it, we are not ultimately praying in faith. We can't be afraid and ask God to do something simultaneously because the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power and love and a sound mind. So if we're asking God for something and we're operating in a spirit that is different than the one he has given us, he will not answer that prayer. 
friends, I, I know. I know that no one in this room is perfect, but I have good news for you that God doesn't hear our prayers because of our goodness. God does not hear our prayers because of our perfection. God does not hear our prayers because of our value. God hears our prayers because of his character, because of his mercy, because of his grace. And when the answer is no, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Would you do that? We're going to close our service with a song. And as we sing it, maybe there are some no's that you have got from God. And rather than to say, God, you know what? I realize that you're saying no because you have a better plan for my life. Or maybe you're saying, you know, (laughs) I won't take no for an answer. See, those are two real different positions. And as we sing this song, I just want to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And you let me know as we close, I want to pray for you. And if you're struggling with a no that you're getting from God, it's time, it's time to lay down our will and to become mature in Jesus Christ. You see, when we tell our kids no and they throw a fit, What are they showing us? They're showing us that they're not mature enough to understand that we have a big picture plan. That this is not just about this one moment in time. This is about their whole life. And when we get a no from God and we pitch a fit, we are showing him that we are immature in our faith in Christ. So if you've been struggling with a no, as we sing, I want you to give that to God this morning and say, God, I accept that know that you have for me today. Team, would you lead us? I pray for the one that has been struggling with a no from you. They've been waiting, maybe even longer than they've needed to wait because it's hard to move on when we receive a no for something that we thought was so important. But Father, may we be convinced of Paul's words from Romans 8:28, to know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Father, even when you say no to us, it's because of your goodness. As we close in prayer, if you've been struggling with a no from God, I just want to lift you up in prayer as we close our service. If that's you, just slip your hand up. You know what, Kevin, this is something that I'm struggling with. Come on, don't be afraid. Don't be concerned. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you for these hands that are raised this morning that are acknowledging the difficulty that we have when we hear the word no. But I pray today, Father, that we would accept that no with maturity that we would be able to understand, Father, that you have a plan for our lives. And that plan is a, it's, it's not just a good plan, but it's a big plan. And it relates to more than whatever we're asking about in this moment. And there's something else that you're trying to develop in our lives. So Father, I pray that as Paul said, 
God said, my grace is sufficient for you. God, may your grace be sufficient for us. Father, for those that have been waiting for physical healing, Lord, I know that this is something that's, that's terribly difficult. And when we pray for that healing and it does not come, we wonder, how am I going to make it through? Paul gave the answer, God's grace will be sufficient for us. Father, I pray that we will experience that grace in its complete sufficiency and that you will lead us through. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm so glad that you came today to worship with us. I just want to invite you. It's a cold day. I made sure that there's plenty of coffee. Hang around. Grab a cup of coffee and fellowship with people. Don't just run out the door, but, but get to know people. I think you'll really enjoy it. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.